So then, as you can see from the slide there on the screen, we are continuing our Christmas sermon series this morning, uh, which is entitled, How Can I Get More Out of Christmas? And if you were here with us last week, then we did see then that this isn't only a question that children and young people ask, so how can I get more out of Christmas, or how can I get more gifts, more presents maybe on Christmas morning, but this is also a question which is uh, relevant to many of us who are grown-ups as well. How can I get more out of Christmas? I think we instinctively know that there is more to Christmas than the baubles, than the time off work, than the turkey than the nice Christmas food that we enjoy, the, the uh, Christmas jumpers and uh, all of those kinds of things. But what is it? Uh, what is the true meaning of uh, everything that is going on uh, at this time of year? Well, I really love the story of the British ambassador in Washington, D.C., which uh, is, I think, actually true. So apparently he was called up one Christmas time by a journalist and uh, this journalist asked him what he wanted for Christmas. And the uh, British ambassador, he said, uh, well, you know, I think that's really kind of you. There's really not very much I need uh, this year. So some um, sweets, some candy uh, would be really great. Anyway, um, Christmas Eve came and the British ambassador uh, switched on the TV and the announcer on the TV said, we decided to carry out a survey about what some of the other ambassadors in uh, Washington, D.C. would like for Christmas. And uh, here are the results. The Russian ambassador would like world peace. The German ambassador would like the end of third world debt. The um, French ambassador would like the eradication of poverty. And the British ambassador would like some sweets. <laughs> So uh, what is the real meaning of Christmas? Is it to be found in the details, like the um, sweets, or is there something deeper to it, some deeper meaning? And if there is, then where is that to be found? Well, that's what we've been investigating as a church from these uh, opening passages in John's Gospel. Uh, if you were here last week, then uh, we looked then at John chapter 1, verse 1 to 5, and we saw that the meaning of Christmas was all tied up with the identity of the baby, uh, that he is the word, the one through whom God speaks, and that he is the light, the one who shines in the darkness of our world. And then this morning we come to the next few uh, verses, uh, which continue on this theme of Jesus being the light. And so I'm now going to read for us uh, John chapter 1 and verse 6 to 13. You can uh, follow along if you're able uh, on the uh, handouts that you ought to have received uh, in your notice sheets. So then, John 1, uh, beginning to read at verse 6. Uh, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, 
he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. So then, uh, remember that we're looking at Jesus coming into the world, and I think there are um, three points for us here. And uh, the uh, first of them there on your sheets is the light revealed. So then, uh, imagine with me for a moment the uh, difference between the uh, Christmas tree there on the left with no lights, and then the Christmas tree there you can see on the right with its lights turned on. There's an enormous difference there, isn't there? Uh, maybe you've experienced this yourself, that moment when you've been decorating the Christmas tree, and then finally you turn the lights on, and uh, the whole thing is wonderfully illuminated. Or maybe imagine what Christmas would be like with no lights at all. Imagine there are no candles, no fairy lights, no trees with lights on, no illuminations in the malls. Perhaps the whole of Christmas would be a very, very different experience with no lights, wouldn't it? And of course, lights at Christmas are not just because many of us uh, come from those countries in the northern hemisphere um, where Christmas sort of falls at the uh, most dark time of the year. But they're also symbolic for what many of us hope for and want, as we've already heard this morning, in our longing, in our darkness, now the light of life has come. And it's this picture of light that John uses to describe the coming of Jesus Christ into the world. Uh, we actually uh, saw it there in verse 9. Uh, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. This is really John's one-line summary of what Christmas is all about. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. John is uh, saying that when Jesus was born in the manger, that he wasn't just an ordinary baby. Uh, he was the coming of God's great light into the world. As we saw last week, God's people in the Old Testament had always been looking forwards to when God's great light would come. And now with Mary and Joseph and the baby in the manger, uh, he has finally arrived. Um, if you think about it, our lives are filled with many different kinds of experiences, especially at Christmas time. We look forward to many of the great blessings that God has given. Uh, we look forward to some nice food, probably. Of course, uh, Christmas in Hong, Hong, Hong Kong, uh, there's normally a wonderful uh, weather. It's nice and cool, uh, so we can go hiking. Uh, maybe we also think about uh, time and opportunity to be uh, reunited with friends and relatives at Christmas. Being reunited with loved ones, maybe, uh, for some of us, perhaps the first time in a number of years, uh, with the lifting of many of the COVID restrictions. Many um, blessings that we've all actually received from God. However, we also know that we have many other kinds of experience in our lives as well. So we uh, watch and hear about stories of conflict on the news. Uh, we maybe know people, perhaps, who are unwell at Christmas time. Uh, maybe our lives have even been touched by death uh, in this last year. Um, someone we know who was with us this time last year is no longer with us now. Then maybe many of us experience conflict at home, maybe conflict in our relationships, conflict in our marriages, conflict in our relationships with our children, perhaps. 
Then, of course, on top of that, there'll be a number of us, and we're actually just struggling with our internal struggles as well. Anxiety, maybe, or perhaps the pain that comes from where someone has hurt us uh, deeply in our past. And the Bible would say that all of these things reflect the darkness of our world. Uh, they're all a result of the brokenness that is in our world as a result of our sin and rebellion against God. And the message of the Bible is that if each of us is honest, that we have even contributed to this darkness, that we have a darkness within that actually comes out in our actions and our attitudes towards other people uh, and even helps create um, some of the darkness um, that we see in the wider world. Yet the great news of Christmas, the great news of the coming of Jesus Christ, is that the light has come. The light has shone in the darkness. God has shone his light into the world in the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus is the one who ultimately helps us to see the truth about ourselves and what we are like. Jesus is the one who helps us to see the truth about our world. And Jesus is also the one who helps us uh, see and understand the truth about God. And Jesus has ultimately triumphed over the darkness through his death on the cross. Again, as that uh, verse says, the, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. I think it's worth uh, noting there that when it says the true light that gives light was coming into the world, it of course implies that there are other lights out there that are not in fact true. Uh, I think we can see that again in the previous verse there in uh, verse 8, where it says of John the Baptist that he was not the light. So there's one true light, um, Jesus Christ, but there are also many competing lights out there that are not true and that will lead us astray. I think uh, many of us tend to assume that any illumination that we need in our lives can actually come from within. Uh, we tend to look within, we tend to look to our own inner light for our illumination and inspiration. But notice very clearly here that God says that the true light comes from outside of ourselves. The true light comes from outside of ourselves. It comes down from heaven in the person of Jesus Christ. You know, when it comes to getting more out of Christmas, that doesn't start with working up some feelings of Christmas from within. Rather, it starts outside of ourselves with the person and work of Jesus Christ. Um, I guess a few of you here may occasionally have had that wonderful experience of seeing sort of beautiful rays of light which uh, just uh, shine through the clouds um, like you can see there in the picture on the screen. They just seem to come down from heaven uh, and irradiate the darkness beneath. That's exactly what John is saying here about Christ. So we need illumination and light from outside of our ourselves. Um, there's no point looking within uh, how we feel, if we're honest, often fluctuates. Um, it is not a reliable guide. Uh, we cannot know truth by looking within. The light that we need is Jesus Christ. Uh, he is the true light that gives light who has come into the world. However, we might expect that once God's light has come, that everybody would automatically flock to it. But of course, that's not what happened. And uh, this leads us on to our Next point, which I've called the light rejected. So, of course, this is true at the time when Jesus came, and it is still true now as well. Many people do not recognize Jesus 
or acknowledge him. And this is really what John is uh, speaking about in verse 10 and 11, when it says he, that is, Jesus was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. So this is actually saying that the way that the world has treated Jesus is really scandalous. John is saying that Jesus made the world, uh, he's actually the creator, he's actually the rightful owner of the world, but yet when Jesus came into the world, people rejected him and they turned away from him and didn't want anything to do with him. So as you can see there in verse 10, it says, the world did not recognize him. Saying some people, sometimes people just ignore Jesus as if he didn't exist. It's one reason why we can have Christmas celebrations uh, where Jesus' name, for instance, uh, is not even mentioned. And then verse 11 says that Jesus came to that which was his own. So he came to his own place, his own world, but yet his own people, uh, his own people did not uh, receive him. Uh, that's a lot clearer in the original than in our English translations. And again, uh, this is meant to be something that is really scandalous. It's saying that Jesus came to his own people, those people that really ought to have welcomed him with open arms, but yet they did not receive him. Instead, they rejected him and nailed him to a cross. Uh, I can remember once uh, hearing a story about a really poor couple in Africa. Uh, this couple were really poor, but they had one son, and so they wanted to provide for him in the best possible way. And so they worked hard, and they started to save as much money as they possibly could so that he could go to school. They uh, educated him uh, all the way through primary school and then all the way through secondary school as well. And then eventually the time came for him to go off to university. Again, they scrimped and they saved. And eventually they were able to send him off to the big city, to university. But when they got uh, the time passed, uh, he completed his course. And uh, eventually the day came for his graduation. Of course, they loved their son and they really wanted to see him graduate and so they sold some of their belongings they bought their, their tickets and they made the long journey into the city uh, however when they got there their son was hanging out with his university friends uh, when he saw them he just turned away in embarrassment now, he was so embarrassed by his parents old clothes by their poverty by their sort of uh, rustic countryside ways that he ignored them wouldn't have anything to do with them at all. And so he just walked away and wouldn't even speak to them or even acknowledge their existence. Well, we kind of inside instinctively re react against a story like that, don't we? We can't believe the ingratitude, even the scandal of someone ignoring those who they ought to rightfully respect and love. But yet here, John says that this is exactly how many people have treated Jesus. Jesus is the one who spoke them into existence, but yet they refuse to acknowledge him. He literally made the ground underneath their feet, but yet they couldn't care less, and so they turn away from him. And so hopefully you can begin to just get some idea of the great scandal that John wants us to feel here. Uh, it's meant to strike us as scandalous that Jesus is not more acknowledged, but rather is rejected by the world that he has made. And of course, uh, this is not just something that happened in Jesus' day. Um, many people to continue, uh, continue to reject him now. Of course, for um, some of us here, 
uh, it may not be that we are actively rejecting him. For many of us, it just may, may be the fact that we've just uh, never really looked into who Jesus is for ourselves. Uh, we may have vague memories of Jesus, maybe from chapel or maybe from religious education when we were at school, perhaps growing up. But yet we've never actually seriously looked into Jesus Christ as an adult. Well, if that's you this morning, if that accurately describes you, then uh, how about looking into Jesus for yourself? Uh, one idea could be to look at the evidence for Jesus. And one way to do that would be to uh, read the rest of the Gospel of John, uh, which, which these uh, scripture verses this morning actually come from. Uh, the Gospel of John was uh, written by someone who knew Jesus well. He knew Jesus personally. And uh, he wrote to give us evidence to help us believe in him. And so how about um, taking some time to read it um, this Christmas period? Certainly, we should make sure that we don't reject the light just because we never actually bothered taking the time um, to look into Jesus and who he is. However, the good news is that we don't need to reject Jesus because we also see here the light received. And here we come to the last two um, verses of our passage, uh, verse 12 and 13. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. So here we see two great benefits of knowing Jesus, of receiving the light. And the first of them is that Jesus gives us a new status. So I think we see that there in verse 12. Um, John writes, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Now, it might be a little bit surprising to some of us um, that a children of God is not an automatic status that everybody has. I think this verse makes really clear that it's actually something, it's a status that we need to receive. It says that to all who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. So we're not automatically uh, the children of God, according to this verse. This is actually saying that we need Jesus to make us into God's children. We need Jesus to make us into God's children. If we don't yet know Jesus, then we may know God as creator because he made us, but yet we don't yet know him as our father because we are not yet part of his family. We are still alienated from him. But yet again, the great news of Christmas is that Jesus has come. The main reason that Jesus came is actually so that we can be adopted into God's family and become his children. And so the same author, John says, uh, over in 1 John 3 and verse 1, uh, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. We might think it's a great privilege maybe to be the uh, daughter or the son of uh, someone who's really famous, maybe a president or some kind of world leader or a millionaire, perhaps. But here, John says, what is really amazing, actually, is to be a son or a daughter of God. And that's available to us uh, through Jesus Christ. Uh, if we're a Christian, then we are those who can reverently call God Dad. Uh, we can know him in a personal way as our Father in heaven. 
And so if you are a Christian this morning, you may be feeling lonely or discouraged this Christmas time, then remember that God has lavished his great love on you, and you are now his precious child. So then, Jesus offers us a new status, but then we see here as well that he also offers us a new start. So then, verse uh, 13 um, spells out that um, we don't become children of God by being born into the right family. We don't become children of God by being born into the right race. We don't become children of God by being born into the right country. But rather we become children of God by being born again into God's family. As you see clearly there, um, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will. So it's not about being born into the right race, the right country or the right family. But rather uh, they are born of God. John is saying that just as we need to be born physically to be part of our physical family, so we also need to be born spiritually to be part of God's family. Uh, We need to be born again. Perhaps uh, one helpful way of thinking about this is a little bit like this. Obviously the World Cup is going on at the moment, which is uh, really great. And uh, just say that uh, I woke up one morning and decided that uh, I would really like to play for England. Uh, England could really do with my help. Um, So I wrote to the uh, selectors of the England squad and said that I would really like to be part of the England team for the next um, World Cup. Um, How do you think they might respond? Well, they might respond uh, something a little bit uh, like this. They might write back, um, Hi, Mr. Percival. Uh, Thank you very much for your kind offer to play for the England team. However, we regret to inform you that you were much too old and much too unfit. Besides, you also lack the necessary skills to play for England. In fact, literally, your only hope would be to go right back to the beginning and be born again. That kind of makes the point, right? There is no way that any of us can ever be good enough or worthy enough to be a child of God. That can only come by being born again. We need a brand new start. And that's exactly what Jesus promises us uh, in the gospel when he came. Uh, Jesus came so that our old way of life, our sin and our darkness inside and our rebellion against God, his wrath that is hanging over us, our guilty consciences, our hopeless way of life. All of those things can be scrubbed clean and we can be born again as part of God's family through his death for us. How does this come about? Well, again, our passage is really clear. This new status uh, as children of God and this new start being born again can only come to those who have received him. It's to those who believed in his name. Jesus' name, of course, sums up all that Jesus is and all that he has done for us. And so to believe in his name means to believe in him, to trust in him, to acknowledge him and to rely on him. In Christian vocabulary, we might say that we need to come to worship Jesus as our Lord and King and acknowledge that he is the rightful ruler of our lives. Um, As the uh, Christmas carol uh, puts it, how silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given, so God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. So how are we responding to Jesus this Christmas time? Are we meek and willing to receive him? Are we willing to believe in his name and so become beloved children of God? 
And so we've seen that our passage this morning does present us with a choice, uh, a Christmas choice. Uh, Jesus is the light. Um, here's the light that has come into the world. Uh, there are some who reject the light, but there are also some who receive the light and who open their hearts to it. There are those who believe in Jesus' name and they invite him to shine his light into their darkness that they may become children of God. And so I wonder what we will do with Jesus this Christmas. Uh, will we invite Jesus to shine his light into the darkness of our lives this Christmas time? Uh, what are some practical steps that we could take maybe uh, to make this real for us? Well, uh, maybe you could uh, take me up on my challenge earlier on to uh, read through John's Gospel uh, over this Christmas period um, to learn more about Jesus and who he is and what he claimed. Uh, if you don't have a copy of the Bible, please speak with me afterwards and I'll be really pleased to give you one. Um, why not read it and maybe make a note of anything in John's Gospel that you don't really understand very well and then uh, find a, a Christian uh, to whom perhaps uh, you could ask some of your questions. Uh, if you came with somebody this morning who's invited you along, then maybe you could ask them, well, what does Christmas mean to you as a Christian? What does Christmas mean to you as a Christian? And see how they respond. And that's a great conversation starter and may actually give you a little bit more insight into both Christianity and uh, also Christmas as well. Or, uh, as we mentioned last week, why, why, why not be really brave and why not pray a prayer? Uh, you, you could always pray um, something like, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are the light that has come into the world. I acknowledge that the world around me is dark and that I even see some of that darkness in my own life. Please shine your light on me so that I can come to know more about you. So then, uh, how can I get more out of Christmas? Well, last week we saw that we can begin to get more of Christmas by recognising the identity of the baby. This week, we also see that we need to receive him for ourselves. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we want to give uh, thanks for your word to us this morning. We give thanks that Jesus is the light that came into the world. And so we pray that you'd open our hearts to receive him this Christmas time so that we can be born into your family and become your children. And we ask all of these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.